is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Today's case I actually found on Reddit where someone had talked about it after listening to her story on Black Girl Gone, which is an amazing podcast that specifically covers missing and murdered black women. So big shout out to Amara and everything she's doing with Black Girl Gone. And of course, we did our own full research on this and we don't refer to her show, but I just wanted to give a shout out because I guess if it wasn't for her episode, we wouldn't know about this case. Yeah, absolutely. And this case is so tragic and it's also so baffling. You guys are just going to be dumbfounded if you have not heard this story yet. So thank you so much for tuning in. Heath and I appreciate you all so much and hope you're having a good rest of your week. And we've got (laughs) nothing else to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. All right, guys. This is episode 194 of Going West. So let's get into it. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, a podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In May of 1994, an intelligent and bright 18-year-old and soon-to-be pre-med student vanished after work in Arkansas. She had an exciting summer internship in Boston 
and her first semester of college coming up that fall. So it was clear that she didn't run away, especially considering her boss, who was a local doctor, showed some very suspicious behavior after she went missing. But was he really involved in her disappearance? And if not, then what happened to her? This is the story of Clashindra Hall. Clashindra Denise Hall, who went by Clea, was born on March 30, 1976 in Arkansas to Laurel and Willie Hall, alongside her brothers. Clea and her siblings grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which is a small city almost smack dab in the middle of the state, just around a 45-minute drive from the capital of Arkansas, Little Rock. Clea was very musically talented as she played the drums and the saxophone and was even in her school's marching band. She was also a big reader, the type that seemed to always have a book in her hand, and she was incredibly intelligent. She was an honor student at Watson Chapel High School and was getting ready to graduate as valedictorian in the spring of 1994. And she had prepared a commencement speech that she would be giving at graduation, which she, and I'm sure her family, was really looking forward to. And here are some things that her classmates and friends had to say about her. Quote, she was a real good girl. You couldn't ask for a sweeter person than her. One of her friends said with a smile, she was so much smarter than me. She was always smiling, a real happy-go-lucky person. And then a family friend from church stated, quote, the Hall family are very good people. They do whatever they can for others. Oh, that's really sweet to hear that. I know, this family seems amazing. Yeah, they seem like great people. Which we'll get into a little bit later. So in May of 1994, Clea was just two weeks away from graduating high school and was excited to attend Tennessee State University in Nashville in the fall for her pre-med program where she would study to become a pediatrician. Clea was very good with kids and she absolutely loved them and her caring nature really pushed her to want to help kids. This would be the first time she'd live outside of Arkansas and away from family, but it was just a state away and less than six hours by car, so she wouldn't be going all that far. At this time, Clea worked an after-school job at a local doctor's office right there in Pine Bluff, and in the summer, she was prepared to begin a summer internship at a pediatrician's office all the way over in Boston, Massachusetts. So basically, Clea was going to fly over to Boston and spend most of the summer there, and then finally head down to Tennessee in the fall for college. So she had lots of plans, and she was incredibly goal-oriented. She really was. So on Friday, May 6th, 1994, just over one month after her 18th birthday, Clea attended her senior prom. And we know she didn't have a boyfriend at this time, but by all accounts, she had a great time. And then two days later, not that you need a boyfriend to have a great time, but... <laughs> yeah, that's true. You don't. <laughs> I just mean, like, she she had fun. She didn't... I don't know if she had a date. I couldn't find that specifically, but... Anyway, so she had her prom, and then two days later, on Sunday, May 8th, was Mother's Day. So her whole family got together and had a nice time. So it seemed like an eventful and fun weekend for sure. Then the following day, on Monday, May 9th, 1994, 18-year-old Clashindra Hall finished her day of classes and then her mom picked her up and took her to work. And like Keith mentioned, this was at a doctor's office in her town of Pine Bluff. 
and the doctor she worked for was a 43-year-old man named Larry Amos. And the office was also his house, located in a residential neighborhood in the 5300 block of Fawcett Road. She would do clerical work there, so just like general office tasks and admin stuff. But it should be mentioned that Larry wasn't a practicing medical doctor, but instead more of a businessman who kind of ran like a charity organization out of his house that supported daycare centers. So although this wasn't exactly what Clea would be doing in her career as a future pediatrician, it couldn't hurt to kind of gain experience with daycare centers. But the company is called Arkansas Federal Child Care Nutritional Services, Inc. So it seems to specialize in like child food for kids kind of thing. A, that's a mouthful of <laughs> a name. Like ran out of breath. Yeah. But back to the story. So when she and her mom arrived to the office, Dr. Amos did not appear to be home even though he knew she was coming. So Laurel took Clea back to their house and Clea took a nap until Dr. Amos called about 30 minutes later at 4.30 p.m. explaining that he was ready. So then Laurel took Clea to work and then went back home herself. Every night at the end of her shift, which was typically around 8 p.m., Clea would call her parents and ask for her usual ride home from work. And on this particular evening, she did make that call at 8 p.m. But she didn't ask her mom to pick her up just yet. She told her that she wasn't ready and she was still working, but said that she would call back soon when she was done, which she thought would be around 8.30 p.m. While Laurel waited for this call, she fell asleep, kind of knowing that the, the phone ringing would wake her up anyway. But to her surprise, Laurel woke up five hours later at 12.45 a.m. when her husband and Clea's father, Willie, arrived home from work and noticed her asleep on the couch. So in this brief panic, Laurel checked to see if Clea was home, but she wasn't. So then Laurel started wondering why Clea was still out and why she hadn't made it home and also why she hadn't called like she said she would because no call came into the house after that. Yeah, this is really alarming because this, you know, every single night, Clea's making this call to get a ride home. But on this particular night, no calls made and Clea is still not home. Exactly. Very sketchy stuff. Yes, totally agree. So the next thing Clea's parents did was call Dr. Amos And even though it was almost 1 a.m., he answered on the first ring. When they asked him if Clea was still there and explained the situation, Larry Amos told Laurel and Willie that someone had picked Clea up at 8.30 p.m. and that he had just assumed that it was Laurel. Here's a direct quote from her mom in an article on missingkids.org. Quote, I'm thinking she's never done this before, but she is a teenager and she's 18, about to graduate, so maybe she's decided that she's going to flex her independent muscles. But I stayed up all night because I'm looking out the window thinking, you're going to be in big trouble, young lady, when you come home. But daylight came and she wasn't home. Laurel and Willie thought that maybe a friend had picked Clea up and she had been with them that night, even though this wasn't at all usual for Clea. But when the morning came, Clea's family wondered if she had gone somewhere and then was planning to just go straight to school. Her younger brother checked to see if she was at their high school that morning since he went there too, but Clea was not there. 
At this point, her family was beyond worried because Clea never missed school. And like we said, she was the valedictorian. Yeah, she was so smart. She actually cared about her academics and her school. Like, she wasn't the kind of person to just blow this off. And she also wasn't the kind of person to stay out all night and not tell her family. Exactly. So her mother reported her missing to the local police. But unfortunately, with Clea being 18 and it being 1994, they told her that she had to wait 24 hours after Clea disappeared to report her missing which would be later that same evening. Meanwhile, the Hulls were not going to remain idle until the 24-hour mark came, so they put together their own group to search the area near Dr. Amos's house, and also in a wooded area directly across the street from his house. And they checked just generally around Pine Bluff. But when they didn't find anything, they started making missing person flyers, and posting them all around town. The day after this, on Wednesday, May 11th, 1994, when Clea still hadn't been found, police finally got involved. Of course, they exercised the thought that she had run away, but knowing how smart she was and how she was preparing for all these exciting ventures and she was speaking at her graduation, they figured this was not the case. Also, none of her belongings had been taken, and she didn't have a car, so where would she have gone? The next day, Laurel received a call from Larry Amos asking if Clea had returned home yet, to which she stated no, she hadn't, and they were incredibly worried. Well, get this. After this phone call, Larry headed out for a supposed business trip in Dallas, Texas, and he was gone for three days. Since Arkansas and Texas share a very small state border, Dallas wasn't too far away and was just a five-hour drive, so he actually did drive this, which kind of sets off some red flags for us. Well, I just, yeah, I mean, the last place that she was known to be seen was at Larry Amos's house, aka his, you know, business practice. Right. Which is just so weird. And the fact that he told Clea's parents that he said that she was picked up by somebody. Who would she have been picked up by? I it's mean, just, yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I can see where the red flags are. And then going out of town directly after this instead of like, hey, I'm going to help in the search. Right. And we'll, and we'll get into it as well, why he was out of town and some things that follow this as well. It just gets more suspicious, at least in my opinion. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. So when Larry returned home to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, the police were waiting to question him. And when they did, Larry stated that he had gone to Dallas to buy tanning salon equipment for a future business that he was planning to open. I don't know why I find that so weird, but I don't know. I guess people got to do that if they're going to open a business, but I don't know. That just strikes me as odd. Yeah, it does for me as well. So Larry also showed police around his house and answered all their questions, telling them that he had no idea where Clea went that evening. But after this... Larry lawyered up and refused to speak to police anymore, which we definitely understand in a sense if he had nothing to do with her case, since he had already stated that he didn't know anything and even showed police around his house. But we can't help but be suspicious that he was the last person to see her. I agree, and I, you know, maybe I were suspicious because we know this whole case already, and a lot of you probably don't, but... I, I understand that he, I think it's great that he was 
talking to police that he was cooperating, that he showed them around his house. That was great because that's way better than the opposite. Like a lot of people do. And they're like, I'm just not going to talk to you at all. Just completely shut them out. Yeah. So at least he didn't do that, but. uh. Yeah. So the next day on Friday, May 14th, 1994, Larry Amos headed over to the Hall's Pine Bluff home to check in, but also to hand Laurel a piece of paper with a phone number on it. He said he didn't recognize the number and that it was the last number dialed on his office phone before Clea disappeared. So obviously sounds kind of suspicious. When police called this number back, the person on the other line called themselves Smith. But this didn't go anywhere or prove to be useful. When Laurel called the number herself and discovered that it belonged to the babysitter of Larry Amos's kids, she was kind of confused. And again, this lead did not go anywhere. One important detail of this story is that Clea wasn't the only person that worked for Larry Amos. Someone else did. And they told police that they saw Clea leave the house slash office at 8.30 p.m. on foot. And to them, it appeared that she was walking home. But they don't know what direction she was going in, which is weird. Like, you saw her walking, but you don't know what direction she was headed. Now, as we remember, Larry Amos said that he saw Clea leave at that same time, but that she got into a car that he assumed was her mom's. So this doesn't exactly match up. Yeah, we have one person saying that she walked away from the house, headed down the street. And then we have another account from Larry saying that she got into a car. Right. It's so it's at the same time. So maybe it's an easy mix up, but it's also kind of like, huh? So two weeks after Clea's disappearance, the same week that she should have graduated Watson Chapel High School as valedictorian, police finally were able to get a warrant to search Larry's house and office properly. But crazy as it is, nothing was found. Though we have to remember, if Larry is involved, this would have given him two whole weeks to hide any and all evidence, which is something Laurel highlighted when she expressed her frustrations with police on this matter. Since they didn't find anything and since they had information from Clea's co-worker about her supposedly walking home, police began to wonder if she had been kidnapped by someone on her walk home. The problem here is that other than the coworker and Larry Amos, I guess, there were no other witnesses who saw this and no one who came forward saying that they had seen Clea or a woman matching her description walking in Pine Bluff. And if she had walked home, she would have been doing so in the dark because the sun set at 7.58 p.m. that evening in Pine Bluff, so 30 minutes before she would have been walking home. And why would she even walk when she told her mom that she would call for a ride? Like, why give your mom that warning call of, hey, by the way, I'm not ready yet, but I will call you soon. Yeah, and also, you know, the first call that was made, it it was essentially saying like, hey, yeah, I do want you to pick me up. Right, exactly. So if she had, if she had other plans, like I'm going to walk home, why wouldn't she just tell her mother that and say, hey, you don't need to pick me up. Yeah, I'm exactly. Gonna, I'm going to walk home. Why would she make her mom wait for that call, like sit at home and specifically wait for the call if you weren't going to call? It just doesn't make any sense. And also I read that the Halls lived a little over a half mile away, which would have taken her maybe 10 to 15 minutes or so to walk. So really not far 
But Clea didn't have a cell phone, though this was before cell phone tracking anyway, but she also didn't have a purse or ID on her. So if she did walk, she would have nothing on her. Also, Larry was allegedly not really a great dude in the sense that he would hire people to do work for him and then he would just not pay them and claim that they didn't do what he asked them to do work-wise. And he was paying Clea under minimum wage. But as the kind-hearted person that she was, she didn't really make an issue out of this. It goes without saying that Laurel and Willie, Clea's parents, became very suspicious of Larry Amos. And they did their own investigative work and found the name of his ex-wife. Knowing they weren't together anymore, and possibly for good reason, they figured that she may have some interesting and even pertinent information. When they reached out to her, she agreed to meet with them, and what she told them would make them even more fearful that Larry had something to do with the disappearance of their daughter Clea. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. 
For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When Laurel and Willie Hall met up with Larry's newly ex-wife to ask her questions about their marriage, she freely answered their questions in a local restaurant. But it was an eerie setting because Laurel felt like a man standing across the street from the restaurant was watching them. But it turns out this man was watching them and he was actually hired by the ex-wife to make sure she was safe and that this wasn't some kind of setup. That's apparently how afraid she was of her ex-husband, Dr. Larry Amos. She told the Hulls that Larry had been physically abusive towards her during their relationship and that eventually she had mustered up the courage to leave him. But she remained extremely afraid of him. He didn't pay her any money for child support and soon before her conversation with the Hulls, she had filed again for child support but she was scared that he was going to come after her for even requesting this. So it sounds like this guy is a very sketchy dude. I mean, when we first started talking about Larry, it was like, okay, maybe there are some things that seem sketchy here, but now the fact that we have this information coming from the ex-wife, that he was abusive, overbearing, controlling, that's scary. I agree, and you guys just wait. Now, this seems like pretty important information that could really show what Larry is capable of. But sadly, police didn't interview his ex-wife themselves, but when they heard the information given to the Halls, 
they just shrugged it off and didn't think that she was a credible source since it was his very recent ex. Which in a sense could be true, but if she is being truthful, it's definitely worth looking into. And this is really upsetting anyway, because at this point, police didn't even think that Larry was involved and really felt like she had been abducted by some unknown person that had simply seen her walking home that night. The only other person that really came up in this case as a potential person of interest was a young man that Clea was friends with and had possibly been dating, a guy named Scott Walker. And since they had apparently been seeing each other, they wondered if he had picked her up that evening, so they brought him down to the Pine Bluff Police Department for questioning. So Scott even agreed to take a polygraph test, though the results came back as inconclusive, so technically a fail. Police searched his car as well, but they didn't find any evidence that could link him to any wrongdoing. But that's all the information that's really known about Scott Walker. So it's hard for any of us to kind of speculate if he really was involved. Right, I agree, because there's absolutely nothing to go off of, and and yeah. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it does seem as though police didn't find him to be very suspicious after questioning him, despite the inconclusive polygraph. But as we've stated so many times on the show, you know, we, you can't really rely on a polygraph very much. Yeah. And they stated that there was no actual evidence to prove that he could have been involved. So years and years passed, and police stated that they had put countless hours into her case and just didn't have enough evidence to conclude what had happened to her. But in 2012, some very suspicious information came out. I, I know we keep saying the word suspicious. <laughs> I was but just going to say that. I was going to say sus. I know. Sus. Fuck us. But really, <laughs> honestly, it, there's, there's not, no other word. There's really no other word. So, folks, we are not done with Larry Amos. So at some point after police could no longer interview him and really didn't have any evidence connecting him to Clea's disappearance, hence why their theory changed to a kidnapping while walking home, Larry began doing renovations on his home slash office. And remember, this is, you know, just after Clea yeah. disappeared. This is at the time. 
So not only did these renovations take place inside his house, but also outside. And of course, this is a major red flag for any person who is suspected in potentially having involvement in a disappearance or murder case. But since Larry lawyered up and even refused to take a polygraph, they didn't look into this. I don't even know if police knew this was happening because they were kind of just done with him. Yeah. It wasn't until March of 2012, nearly 18 years after Clea went missing, that two contractors came forward about the work they had done on Larry's home. Well, one of them said he had noticed what he believed was blood on the insulation in the house. While the other one said that when he was pouring cement in the backyard, he noticed a foul odor coming from the ground. That's never a good sign. And this is so frustrating because we can assume these guys maybe didn't know that Larry had been questioned in connection to a disappearance back in 1994 during the renovations. So maybe they didn't think much about these things at the time, but oh my God. Yeah, that's kind of of big... Big news yeah. here. So I really wonder, too, if they had been sitting on this all these years or if they had recently heard about her case. Like, I, I wish we knew more about how that kind of unraveled. Yeah. And or why if, so much time passed. Or if police were just looking into p- potential connections well, and they were somehow the ones, found these contractors. No, they were the ones to call. So they actually called police with this tip. And so they came forward all on their own. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah, then they probably did somehow hear about Clea's case. Right. So on March 29th, 2012, police took action thinking this could be a big break in her case, and they headed to Larry's home, which he still lived in, along with cadaver dogs and radar equipment to search the concrete area for possible human remains. Now, later, police removed numerous paper bags from the home with possible evidence inside, though they wouldn't say what those paper bags contained. Clea's parents were at the scene all day just hoping for some answers, and her mother Laurel said this to the media, quote, Although I don't know all the details, this has been such a long journey and a long time coming. Something as simple as a residence search 18 years ago might have brought us some evidence that could have ended this nightmare for us. It's like we're stuck in time. She was 18 when she disappeared. Tomorrow, she'll be 36 and all I have is the 18-year-old reference. Even if she wasn't alive, I would just like to know that that's the case. Yeah, I mean, if she was supposed to be 36 and 18 years past, like she was 18 when she went missing, that's her whole lifespan that she had lived, at least as far as we know. That's just, they've just been waiting. Yeah, they've just been waiting for answers. So get this. The evidence found at the scene was allegedly not entered into evidence or tested that day. Now, the police say that it was entered the following day, while some others say that it took about a week. We don't know what was in those bags, but it seemed like police just searched Larry's house because of this tip, but really didn't, you know, care to take the proper steps to see if her remains were there or if there was any evidence that she had been hurt in the home. Which only makes you wonder if they even did a thorough search this time around since their original search two weeks after her disappearance kind of seemed to fall short too. And obviously, you know, we can't be sure that Larry was involved. So just because they didn't find anything doesn't mean they're not working because maybe there's nothing to find. I do think it's 
I do think it's really good of them to go back to this this spot years and years later and you know look for potential evidence. I, and I'm really glad they did, but once the testing was submitted and the results finally came back, they allegedly did not show any DNA evidence or anything pointing to Clea. Now, of course, the Halls were very frustrated by this because they just wanted this all to be over, but they were also incredibly upset, and rightfully so, that police didn't seem to be doing everything they could to get them those answers. And, you know, everything they're feeling was absolutely correct because it came out that the evidence in which police collected from Larry's home had been sitting for 40 days before it was submitted to the Arkansas Crime Lab. According to Lieutenant Bob Rawlinson, who had prepared the inventory list, the evidence taken consisted of four items from the west wall of Larry's living room. And although he couldn't get more specific, it really makes no sense why this evidence allegedly sat in the detective's car for over a month. However, the evidence bags weren't even big enough to hold these pieces of wall because they were sticking out of the bags, which obviously isn't secure at all and basically means that the evidence was essentially tampered with. But Lieutenant Rawlinson doesn't think he messed up here, but apparently the department did because he had a very short suspension of two days for not making sure the evidence was submitted in a timely manner, which is against the department's policy. Now, he appealed this right away, stating, quote, It's not illegal in the policy to transport or hold evidence in your car. The first opportunity I had, I turned it in. Yeah, um, okay, a month later? I know. Bruh. His suspension was overturned, meaning he would not be suspended for this action, which is absolutely ridiculous. We also read that Rawlinson didn't believe that Larry was behind her disappearance, so I wonder if his bias kind of like impeded him from submitting the evidence. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. Right. Now, he did state this, quote, Klishindra wasn't the type of person just to run off. She had a future ahead of her. So it's clear he does believe that someone kidnapped her, but when they were searching Larry's property, he also stated, quote, We have no viable suspect, and what we're trying to do is narrow down the scope of investigations. And he had appealed his suspension because apparently he really wanted to stay on the case. He publicly stated, quote, I wanted to stay on the case. It is a highly interesting case, and I believe nobody knows more about this case than me. The police chief who ordered for his suspension replied with, quote, If he is so passionate about this case, he would have made sure the evidence got to the crime lab the next day. He could have carried it there himself. So fucking true. Agreed. There was also a woman in the department who was looked at as responsible, and it turns out that she was also a big part in why the evidence did not get submitted quickly. Kathy Rule was a crime scene technician, and she had reportedly gotten busy with other cases and essentially forgot to submit the evidence from Clea's case. She didn't submit them until May 8th, just one day shy of exactly 18 years since Clea had disappeared, which is 43 days after the evidence was initially collected. Insane. So Kathy Roll was suspended for five days by the same police chief, and Kathy admitted that she became involved in other cases and just forgot about the evidence in Clea's case. Here's what Laurel had to say about this. Quote, 
I had heard that this lady had been doing her job for 19 years, and it's amazing to me that she could not handle this evidence that was apparently important in my daughter's case. What was different in this situation from something that she should have been able to do in her sleep? Also, how can she verify that the evidence wasn't tampered with when no one had seen it in 40 days? It's hard to believe that with her experience, she was that lax with this evidence. At the time that this was coming out, Lorel also stated, quote, Some of the things the police have done may have crippled our case. Somebody out there knows something, and that one person for all these years has been able to hold that information. I don't know how they've been able to do it. I have a fear of leaving this earth and not knowing what happened to her. If I stop looking or we stop looking, who's going to help me find out what happened to my child? And the Halls have really done everything that they can to fight for justice with the local law enforcement, and there's a slew of people within their community that support them, help them search, share this outrage and the lack of efforts from Clea's case with the media, and wear pink ribbons in remembrance of Clea. Since 2012, nothing new has come in Clashindra Hall's case. Even in 2014, on the 20-year anniversary of Clea's disappearance, her mom stated, quote, In the 20 years, we haven't gotten enough information to find out what happened or what direction she went, who may have picked her up, or if somebody picked her up. On this day, the Hall family, as well as various members of their community and some friends, held an awareness walk in Pine Bluff to remember Clashindra. A Pine Bluff police detective named Richard Wagner stated, quote, Sooner or later, somebody comes forward on 90% of the cases that we deal with. In this particular case, for whatever reason, that person has had that particular piece of information and has not come forward. Person or persons, it may be more than one, we don't know. Just from watching interviews of Laurel, she seems like such a calm and wonderful and fair person. Like she's not cynical, she's not pointing fingers, she's not reaching, she's just disappointed. And you know, she's disappointed for a reason. You I know? agree, and she just wants the answers, but she doesn't seem to think that police are going out of their way to botch this investigation, you know what I mean? She just doesn't think they're really capable of handling it, which... That's kind of what it seems right. like, yeah. Agreed. So at this point, Larry Amos is in his 70s, and according to Google, he still appears to be living in that very same house in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. He's been the only real person of interest in her case, though there still has not been enough evidence to connect him or anyone to her disappearance. Now, I wonder if he had potentially made, this is a theory, this is you speculation. Know, speculation, if he had made advancements towards her and she denied it and then something went wrong. I also question her coworker who claims to have seen her walking on foot after leaving work. Like, I wonder if this person is being truthful or if they saw something and can't say because... They're being threatened. I, That's, mean, I had that thought that maybe potentially Larry was like, this is what you're going to say. Right. I, I mean, I wonder. Or, Who knows? Or if Clea really did leave the house, either by foot or by car, and Larry and this coworker are telling the truth, and one of them are just misremembering the specific mode of transportation that she took that evening because it wasn't significant. You know, if they're not involved, they didn't know she was going to go missing. Yeah, I do think it's interesting, though. An interesting point to make is that police you know, felt strongly enough 
you know, depending on these these tips that they were getting, that they actually did go back to his house and search for evidence. So it's so it is kind of like it does make you wonder. It does make you question things regarding Larry Amos in this case. Well, of course. And I think with the, you know, police going to check out the tip, I'm glad they did. But at that time, they were not thinking that Larry was behind this. This whole time, pretty much, they have thought that it's a random kidnapping. Yeah, and it very well could be. Right. To me, I mean, it's absolutely possible that someone could have abducted her on her walk home. But just like you and I were discussing earlier, Heath, why would she walk when she told her mom that she was going to call and ask her to pick her up? She didn't know her mom was going to take a nap, and she always asked for a ride home. So why would this night be any different? That that was my thought, too. If she's consistently asking for rides home and she had never actually walked home before, why would that day be be just the exception? Yeah, and if there isn't any evidence of Clea calling Scott Walker to pick her up instead, how would he have known when and where to get her, or how would anybody have known... And why wouldn't she call her mom to let her know that she was hanging out with a friend or a guy she liked that evening instead of just not calling at all? It seems to me that Clea was very responsible and she would definitely not be doing something out of the ordinary. I agree. And because of these questions, I just have to believe that Larry had something to do with her disappearance, whether it was on purpose or on accident, especially with what the contractor said about their findings I mean, that is two different people working on the same house, and they both came across something like that? Yeah, and they were both, you know, able to retell what they found and what they were thinking, and they thought it was suspicious. Right. At the time of Clashendra Hall's disappearance in 1994, she was 18 years old, meaning today she would be 46 years old. Clea had black hair, brown eyes, and a dark complexion. She stood at 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighed about 120 pounds. Her front tooth had a chip in it, and she had a surgical scar on her left knee. When she went missing, she was wearing navy blue and white shorts with polka dots on the pockets, and a striped shirt with white socks and white sneakers. She had small stud earrings in both of her ears, press-on nails, hair extensions, and she wore a white bow in her hair. If you have any information about the disappearance of Clashendra Hall, please call the Pine Bluff Police Department at 870-543-5111. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Tuesday, we'll have an all new case for you guys to dive into. I just can't believe this case. Cases like this are so insanely frustrating. Like you have somebody and you just don't quite have enough to pin anything on them. And then you don't find anything in their house. Like what are the chances? Of course, the chances could be he didn't do it. But uh, I just, I think he did. Yeah, if we're, if we're just speaking solely on opinions, my opinion personally is that Larry had something to do with this. But, you know, I would really like to know what you guys think, so please let us know. And think about her poor family who has had to live in the same community as him and wonder if he did it. Because there, like I said, her mom is super fair. Her family's not out there, like, spreading, trying to spread any lies. So when asked if they think Larry is behind it, they, they say that they're open to it, but they're not like, he did it, you know? So, right. so imagine them having that 
wonder and that question in their head and living in the same community as him, knowing he's still in that house and they don't know what happened. Yeah, it's just it's just devastating and heartbreaking. So please, please share this episode with everybody that you know so we can get this information out there because there needs to be more pressure put on this case. Clea and her family deserve justice. I fully agree. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and thank you so much for dealing with Heath and I's, Heath and I's voices today. Yeah, we're a little bit oh stuffy. God. I don't know if it's allergies or if it's a if it's a cold. Who knows? Uh, we just feel like garbage. <laughs> but we're so. never gonna miss an episode. So yeah, we, we even can't if we do have that. the flu, we're gonna be we're gonna be right here recording for you guys. So. so thank you so much. We love you all. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.